Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Remember, they're coming out of Egypt, so they had never seen anything like this. This is the first city and it's huge and it's and, 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 and it looks like it's impenetrable to them. They take this city, taking this city looks impossible. But we know and we learn that nothing is impossible with God. Somebody say amen. Well, in verses two through five, we just read it. God gives Joshua the battle plan. Just proves with me two through five. God told Joshua to do several things. Look at verse three. March around the wall once a day for six days. March with the Ark of the Covenant for with seven priests in front in verse four. On the seventh day, march around seven times. Verse five, have the priests blow ram's horns as they march. Verse five. On the seventh time around on the seventh day, the people were to shout. Verse five. When the people shout, the walls will come down. Verse five. And when the walls come down. Enter the city and conquer it. And I want you to notice verse 10, verse 9 and 10. Joshua added a few few details to the plan. You see it? He instructed the people to be silent as they marched around the city. He put soldiers in front of the priest and behind the ark. And he had the priest blow ram's horn or the shofar continually. It was 1998 that I traveled to Israel. And I bought a ram's horn or the trumpet that they were to blow. Uh, I actually bought this and traveled through the airport with this. This was in the days where you could travel through the airport with this. Uh, Nowadays, you will get run down, accosted, arrested, and they'll take your shofar. But uh, this is a real ram's horn off a ram's head. Now, get this. I've had this since 1998. And a friend of mine built me like a, a stand that's down there to hold it. So it's in my office on my bookshelf. And I've had it that long. And believe it or not, I have never been able to blow this. That You have to have like certain type of lips <laughs> to blow this. It's the truth. You've got to have lips. Now, Now, my son... Rodney Jr. has always been able to blow it. And, and so, Jr., I know you're looking away. Come here. <laughs> yes, you, you can't. Huh? Well, come do it. We got time. Come on, do it. Come, hurry up, boy. Move faster. I can't stand it when kids walk slow. My goodness. Yes, you can. You blew it before. No, it teaches chicken to learn how to, to 
Try it. Just try it. If it doesn't work, then we'll just say boo and you can go sit down. Good. It smells terrible after all these years. Go back there and practice. I'll talk about it again. <laughs> you did good, my child. He did. he did good. The shofar in verse. So, so Joshua, okay, Joshua added a few things, right? So they are to march. Are you still with me? Say amen. They are to march one time around for six days, seven times on the seventh day and shout. The priests let out a long blast. The people shout as loud as they could. So the question, watch this. What kind of military strategy is this? Marching, blowing horns and shouting. Can you imagine General Joshua, and by the way, I can't help it. Every time I think of General Joshua, I think of the general car insurance. I don't know what my problem is. Like all day, I'm like, get it out of your head. General Joshua. He says, okay, look, here's the battle plan. General Joshua says, hey, fellas, God has given me a strategy for the walls. They said, yes, sir. What are we going to do? Swoop in and attack. Joshua says, well, not exactly. Uh, what are we going to do? Come in on a helicopter. Well, not exactly. What are we going to do? We're going to dig under and then we're going to come up under surprise. Well, not exactly. Joshua says, we're going to march, blow trumpets, and scream. And they're probably thinking, General, you have eaten too much manna. Too much. I want you to note something, saints, that everything that Joshua is told to do, watch this, is in violation to the Jewish law. In violation of the Jewish law, specifically of the Sabbath. As Joshua was to march around the city on the seventh day, well, they were not to work on the seventh day, remember? They weren't to fight on the Sabbath. They were to do no work on the Sabbath, actually. The commander said, play the shofar on the ram's horn. The Torah, watch this, the Torah taught when they go to war, silver trumpets were to be played, not ram's horns. The ark was never to be taken into battle. The commander said, take the ark. The priests were never to go to battle. Keep in mind, the priests were exempt from battle. So everything that God, the angel of the Lord, will come back to that. Everything that God is telling them, to do is in violation of the Sabbath. Let's talk about that real quick. Mark chapter 2, Jesus, and I think if you've been with us through Mark, you know Jesus and his disciples, remember they're walking through the grain field and, and, and they're hungry. So while they're walking through the grain field, they grab some heads off of the wheat and they blow away the chaff and they pop it in their mouth. They're eating granola. And the Sabbath Bureau of Investigation, we call them the Pharisees, saw them eating grain. And they said, Jesus, why are your guys doing something unlawful on the Sabbath? Keep in mind, y'all, this is from religious folk. Because religious folk are hard to deal with. 
Religious folks, something else. Jesus doesn't want us to be religious. He wants us to have a relationship. It's not about religion. I'll wait. That's all right. So the Pharisees, <laughs> the Pharisees and the religious leaders had so codified and organized the Sabbath that they, and they put so many layers of tradition on the Sabbath and the law that people worked really hard at not working on the Sabbath. Now, Mark chapter 2 in verse 27 through 28, and he, Jesus, said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for what, saints? The Sabbath, therefore, the Son of Man is also, look at it, the Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, Sabbath exists for man. Man does not exist for the Sabbath. The intent of the Sabbath was to serve and not be served. Did you hear me? The intent of the Sabbath was to serve and not be served. Sabbath means, got your pen? To cease. Sabbath means rest. Sabbath, Sabbath means cessation and inactivity. Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, when God finished the work of creation, he ceased from his work. The Sabbath was given to man out of the grace of God. In other words, saints, Jesus is willing to set aside, watch this, the law. Jesus is willing to set aside rules and rituals to bless people. The law and the Sabbath shouldn't be a burden. It was supposed to be a blessing. But the religious folks made it a burden because that's what religious folk do. They made it a burden. Christianity isn't supposed to be a burden. Christianity's not supposed to be heavy. If your Christianity, listen to me, if your Christianity is a burden and it's heavy, something is wrong. Jesus said, thank you, sweetie. Jesus said, to whom the son sets free is what? That doesn't sound like a burden to me, people. Jesus came to set us free from the burden of sin. He, he came to set us free from the burden of guilt. He, he, he Free from the burden of doing. Free from the burden of religion and rituals and the law. Psalm 144.15. Happy is the people who God is the Lord. Many Christians believe that Christianity is supposed to be boring. Some people believe that. Believe it or not, they do. No, I think we're supposed to have fun. Am I right about it? Some people look at Christians, Christians having fun, like, don't you dare have fun. Wipe that smile off your face. You're a Christian. No, Christianity is supposed to be fun. Jesus came to give us life. There's a way to have fun and keep it godly. Now, if you're having fun and you're getting fleshy, make an appointment. You need to see somebody. Me. Somebody know me. Listen to this story of a Southern Baptist minister. He was completing a sermon on temperance. And with great emphasis, he said, if I had all the beer in the world, I would take it down to the river and pour it in. Or with even greater emphasis, he said, and if I had all the wine in the world, I'd take it and pour it into the river. And finally, shaking his fist in the air, he said, if I had all the whiskey in the world, I'd take it and pour it into the river. Well, he finished his sermon and he sat down. The worship leader stood up and he said, for our closing song, let us sing hymn number 365. Shall we gather at the river? 
I'm not encouraging you to drink. I'm just saying. I don't even know why I read that. It kind of kind of goes against my point, I think. I don't even know. Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> Commander Jesus gives him the battle plan, breaking all the rules of the Sabbath. Now, listen, in our remaining time, please take your pen. Please take your pen and your pad. In our remaining time together, I want to suggest from our story that Israel had a problem. Christians have a problem. Israel had a promise. Christians have a promise. Israel had a partner. Christians have a partner. Don't I have a slide for that? There you go. Israel prevailed. Christians will prevail. You can just take a snap if you like. Israel had a problem. Christians have a problem. Israel had a promise. Christians have a promise. Israel had a partner. Christians have a partner. Somebody say amen. Israel prevailed. And in the end, Christians will prevail. Somebody say a better amen than that. We will prevail. So that's what we'll talk about in our remaining time together. Point number one, Israel had a problem. The problem, we've already discussed it, was that they had this huge, massive, two-system, stone-walled city to conquer that would be a problem. Christians have a problem. Israel had a problem. Christians have a problem. I don't think I need to tell you, you cannot go through life and not face obstacles. You can't. Life come at you fast. Parents, am I right about it? Adults, adult folk. Some of y'all in here didn't raise your hand. I'm going to do it again. I don't want y'all to lie in church, okay? Life come at you fast. Am I right about it? Adult folk. <laughs> you can't go through life without challenges. You can't go through life without walls, spiritual walls, physical walls, sickness, health problems, walls of doubt, walls of indecision, emotional, financial walls, sin in your life. Some folks have some self-inflicted walls, right? We're facing walls in our country right now. Anything that hinders you or prevents you, listen to me close, anything that hinders you or prevents you or leaves you wondering what to do is a wall that you must conquer. And watch this, saints. There are some walls that some folk are trying to climb that God says, no, I haven't given you that wall to climb. What are you talking about, Willis? Well, 2 Corinthians, watch this, chapter 12 and verse 7 through 9. Paul the apostle said, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord, how many times? Three times that it might depart from me. And he, God, said to me, y'all come on, read it with me. My grace is sufficient. Oh, some of y'all ain't reading it like, do you see it? What? It wasn't up there. Projection people. You're fired. 
And God said, y'all think, come on. And God said to me, what did he say, saints? My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. God, watch this, allowed the enemy to afflict Paul with a problem in the flesh, a thorn in the flesh. We do not know what that is. Some scholars believe it might have been malaria, an eye disease, because Paul traveled throughout Asia, and malaria was pretty common in those days. We don't really know what it is, but what we do know, is that Paul prayed three times that God would take whatever it is away and God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Saints, we trust God and we thank him for answer prayer, don't we? But we also got to learn, and listen to me, you've been asleep, wake up. We also got to learn to thank God for unanswered prayer. We got to learn to thank God when we do thank God when God says yes. And God comes through because God always comes through. Whether he says yes, no, wait, God always comes through. So we're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. God, you did that thing. Oh, God, you did that. Oh, you all that, God. Yes, thank you, Jesus. And we thank him when he says yes. But we got to learn Christian maturity stuff right here. We got to learn to thank God when he says no. Am I right about it? I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. I'm going to wait. We got to be just as blessed when God says no as when he says yes. Somebody once said, God's no is as laced with love as his yes. Now y'all tell me that ain't good. God's no is as laced with his love as his yes. God said, Paul, my grace will get you through. God is God. Somebody say amen. And I thank God for those yes answers. Hmm? Can I get a witness? I thank him for the, but I also thank him for those times where he said no. Can I get a witness? I thank him for those times he said no. God knows, but God, the Bible says God knows the end from the beginning. God sees stuff, y'all. God knows stuff, y'all. I'm glad about that because God kept me from a lot of stuff because he could see down there. See, y'all don't, you, you don't know what's going to happen today. You don't even know what you're going to eat for lunch. Well, some of y'all do because you're planners. Okay. <laughs> but for the most part, whatever. You don't know. I don't know. But God knows all things. God sees years and years. Man, even today. How about, how about you, you when that, that girl, guys, that girl you were dating? Y'all were 17, 18 years old. You're like, God, please let me marry that woman. God, I want her. She's so beautiful. She, <laughs> she, God, oh, please let me. Oh, God, please. I love her. She's okay. I ought to marry her. God know the end from the beginning. You see it 30 years later, you go, thank you, Jesus. Woo, hey, how you doing? You know, when you see people, you go, hey, how you doing? And you know they looking all the way crazy. Hey, you're supposed to go, oh, you look good. You go, hey, you look. What about them Dodgers? (laughs) You look. (laughs) God knows. Somebody say amen, right? And let me read you this. I want to read you this. I want to read you this. Listen. It's anonymous, anonymous poem. It says, listen to this. 
I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked God for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked God for riches so I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for, but everything I hoped for, despite myself, my unspoken prayers were unanswered, and I am among all men most richly blessed. God knows all things. Come on, I'll wait till you clap your hands. Come on, just a little bit. Okay, so point number two, Israel, not only did they have a problem, are you still with me? But number two, what? They had a promise Joshua and the men of war stood looking at the walls around that great city, remembering that God had promised Israel that they would get the victory before they ever were attacked, before they even attacked the wall. And watch this. God gave them the conclusion of the battle before the battle. So in a real sense, the battle was over before it started. Are y'all following me? Over before it started. They had a promise, and we have a promise, Christians. Second Corinthians, keep up with me. Second Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. We have his promise that our weapons are powerful through God. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We have his promise our battles have been arranged by the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6, we have the promise of the armor of God as we go to battle. First Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. We have the promise of ongoing victory. Matthew 28, 20. We have the promise that we will never fight alone. Somebody say amen. Never fight alone. Psalm 25, 3. We have the promise that if we trust Jesus, we will never be put to shame. Saints, God did not save us to walk in defeat and victimhood. We are more than conquerors. Didn't we talk about it? We are more than, remember I told you that word conquerors? We are more than conquerors? I think it was a Wednesday night teaching, and we talked about that word conquerors means that we are super conquerors, that we are hyper conquerors. We are more than conquerors. And watch this. Listen close. The victory, watch this, saints, it came because of God's promise. God gave them victory based on his promise. They did not get the victory by praising their way into victory. Now, listen to me close, because there, there is a teaching here. There's a teaching here that if we praise hard enough, And if we praise long enough, then we can praise our way into victory, fill in the blank, whatever it is that's needed victory. Are you following me so far? That if if we just worship hard enough and praise will bring down the wall and praise will give us that breakthrough. That is not what the Bible teaches. Now, listen to pastor very closely. I totally believe in praise. Look, we just say every praise is to our God. I believe that. I believe it's important to praise. I believe worship is critical 
You'll notice from the text, I don't even have time to go into it, but you'll notice from the text, before the word of God or the Ark of the Covenant, you have musicians going before it. Did you notice that? Oh, that's good. Before the Ark, you had musicians going before playing instruments. Why? Because music and worship softens the heart. Worship is like a hammer to the heart to break up that heart, heart and, and, and soften it so that when the seed of the word of God is planted into your, it finds good soil. Sometime when we come to church, our hearts are just not, I can tell y'all. I can tell when people are worshiping and when people just mouth into words. Because I'm watching you. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.